everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League Podcast. As you may know, I like to find some sort of gag about what number show we are this week. I've not gone for half a crown, I'm not that old. So here we are, week 26, the BDO Darts Player's Favourite Number. Um, it feels like we're saying this every week, but another busy show for you this week. We've got managerial changes and a new manager talks to us, a team who scored 12, and we reflect on some interesting results over the weekend. As you will know by now, I hope, half a year in, I'm John Phipps, and on the line, live from the office, with a cold, is Matt Gerrard. How are you, Matt? Not bad. Oh, I didn't get the uh, BDO number thing. Is that the average they finish on or something? Well, it's just basically the the BDO is the uh, is the lesser of the two darts tournaments, yeah, shall we say, yeah. and... In the uh, other one, they're all rattling the 180s, and on the other one, you're more likely to see them scoring 26. Well, no, I think it's just they're aiming for the treble 20, and they get like a single 20, a one, and a five. Well, that will just be my problem when I used to play pub darts anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Martin Wolfie, Wolfie was one of the money darts players. He used to win, I think. Yeah, he that's did. That's my Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, he was quite the performer. But he used to have a bit of a. Uh, he used to hate the other ones. Like he was a, a BDO uh, fanatic, and he would and he would only ever play them. He wouldn't even play in any tournaments where the others were involved. But you know, hey, hey we're not here to talk about darts anyway. And and I did ask, how's your cold? It's getting better. I've got a sore throat anymore, just constantly sneezing. So that's but trooper, you know, man flu, nothing on me. So Aussie flu, whatever it is, I'm, I'm fighting on. He's like our very own Gloria Gaynor. He will survive. Um, <laughs> right then, where should we start? Um, I, I guess we'll start what might be a bit of a surprise managerial change down at Reachfields. Uh, Clive Cook has moved upstairs at Hyde Town and his replacement is former Herne Bay boss Sam Denley. A 33-year-old left Bay in the summer, but he's now back in the game. Sam's a really nice fellow and I encountered him many times during my time at the when I was working at the local papers. And I was able to grab a quick chat with Sam on Tuesday night. And I began by asking him if he was excited to be back in the hot seat. Um, yes, Kate, I am, yeah, very excited. Um, it's been a, uh, it's been a nice break for football, I have to say, a bit of time out, but, you know, I feel like I'm ready to return and the opportunity to come up. It was one that um, I couldn't, couldn't turn down, so I'm really pleased. A, a, a big club high, don't they? And, and I know they've got big ambitions there. They are a big club, it's a good club, you know, I've played against them many years and it's, you know, they're a great club and, like I said, it's, it's a good opportunity for me to go in. I know there's a lot of expectation there and hopefully I can go in there. Um, and you know, and deliver. Like I said, they've, they've done well over recent years. They're in a, they're in a good position now, and uh, it's um, it's an opportunity in a in a and something I'm relishing, a change I'm relishing. Yeah. So And I guess you've had your first training session. Have you met the lads? We haven't. We, we, I, spoke, I spoke to them today. They had a meeting last night with um, uh, with Clive. I think there was a meeting last night to sort of let, let them know what was going on. I spoke to them all today. Um, we, we were in tomorrow night. Which we were in Thursday night. Um, because, uh, yeah, we're going to get together then and go from there. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously not far outside the playoffs. So I guess that's the aim, isn't it, to get in the playoffs this season? Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, obviously, of course, the playoffs will always be the aim. A couple of hype. You know, I have to assess things because, you know, I'm sure there'll be one or two players that, that maybe move on. It always happens when a new manager comes in and one goes. So, you know, I, I'm expecting a little bit of unsettlement, but hopefully I can, I can maintain the squad that's there. Uh, there's no question there's a lot of talent in, in, in the current squad and, and a lot of ability that should be getting into the playoffs. So hopefully I can go in and, and we can kick on for the remainder of the season, yeah. I guess as someone who's been at a, a club for a long time, you, you know a lot of players at this level. Are you going to try and bring in some that you know or will you just give everyone a chance to shine? Yeah, uh, listen, I don't think I need to do anything um, you know, quickly. There's a lot of quality, like I said, in the dressing room already there. Uh, one or two have already moved on. Ben Grant's moved on. Bell, ben Wilson's moved on. Um, and I 
time. But, you know, the majority of the squad I've spoke to all sound positive. Like, so we're meeting on Thursday as a group, we have a conversation together. And if I can keep the majority of them together, then I don't, I don't foresee me having to bring too many in. Um, but I'll assess it. You know, we'll train Thursday. We're getting the game Saturday out of the way. Um, I'll speak with Mike, with the coach who's there. He's staying on board. Uh, and we're, you know, we're at where we feel we need to. And uh, South Park at home first start. I mean, you know what you're going to get from them. They're always a, a solid side, aren't they? Always a good side, yeah. And I've, I've always enjoyed playing South Park. Listen, the league's as strong as it ever has been, in my opinion. I've been watching games and, and there's no real easy game. That has to be a bit cliche, but it's a strong league and you know, no doubt there'll be a there'll be hard opposition. But we're at home, you know, like I said, hopefully we can, uh, we can go into the game with confidence and we, we'll be looking to, uh, be looking to get more points on the board. And looking at the fixtures ahead, not long until uh, Hive Town against Herne Bay. I guess you'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that, yeah. And home and away, I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've seen. So, yeah, listen, of course, I'll, I'll look forward to playing Herne Bay. I've got a lot of good memories there um, and a lot of good people at the club. I, I left there on good terms with everyone. And, yeah, we'll look forward to playing them home and away. And, and um, this time around, I'll be, uh, I'll be hoping that they're on the losing end. I'll say a quick chat there, uh, Matt. He, he talks very quick, Sam Denley. He's, he's not the, the the friend of someone who's trying to use shorthand, which uh, I'm not particularly good at, but some of my colleagues used to find him pretty hard going. But really nice guy, and I'm glad to see him back in the game. An interesting challenge for him at Hive. Yeah, he left Herne Bay, I think, in the summer, didn't he? I think they went down a, a different route with the younger players, bringing in uh, Embry and Darlington from that point of view. Solid manager at that level, I would have thought, in the, um, in, the, in the Devon Bostick South. Herne Bay, middle of the table side, probably the expectations are high, they're going to be a little bit higher. They're currently, it's quite, you know, they're 10 points off the playoffs with 15 or so games to go. So, you've got to hit the ground running um, to do that. But again, maybe rebuilding for, for next season again, a bit like Ashford we spoke about last week. I expect Clive Cook's a little bit disappointed, but either one of these sides have always been on the cusp of the playoffs and fail or fail within the playoffs. And I'm sure... Quite a well-run club down there. They, they want to get into the into the Premier League. Maybe they're at their level. So you know, again, what are the expectations of there? But young, upcoming manager, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, he mentioned about bringing players, and he knows. I'm sure that's how it works in, in, in the football. So we may see a few players that he's worked with before coming down to Hyde. Yeah, I think you, you made a really good point there because you know they're one of those clubs that always seem to be one of the favourites at the start of the season. You know, when you're looking at the list at the start of the season, oh, Hyde will be up there, and they the last few years they've kind of flattered to deceive a bit. They they've had good runs, they've been in around. I've seen them play a few times, and they've looked the real deal. But then ultimately, when it comes to it, they come up short. I mean, they got to the playoffs a couple of years ago, and I think they got spanked seven or something in, uh, down yeah, at Worthing right, yeah. in the semi-final. And you know, it's, it is one of those. And Sam Denny will hope that he is the man who, with props, a, a little bit more budget than he had at Herne Bay, that can take them to the next level. Yeah, as I say, are they at their level? Can they? Um support a Premier League club of course the, the, the chairman and people like that probably would say but they're probably at their level if they're growing build a few players up of course they, they, they did sell um, uh, Alfie May didn't they so they have had players going into the league so maybe their point of view is to build players up and Sam who probably got a lot of contacts within the game to bring a few players in he's had experience at home Bay with the likes of Mark Lovell not saying he's going to go there but he may look to mix the youth and experience but Good to see him back in the game, and it's a good job there down at Hyde anyway for him. And I guess the people at Hyde are also looking up the road and seeing how well Folkestone are doing, and obviously we'll discuss them later on in the show. But, you know, they'll be looking, and you say, can the area sustain? And traditionally, they're not quite as big a club, but 
down there in that part of the county, there are richly only folks and hive, isn't there? So th there is an opportunity for them. And it's the same old thing, I think. And, you know, we've discussed this before. There's so many teams in Kent, in sort of East Kent, South East Kent, who are at that level in the Bostick Division 1 South. And whoever gets promoted gets the pick of all the others. And I think Folkestone did that to a little extent. But if Hyde were to get promoted, then Sam Denny would have his pick of the players in East Kent, surely. I think that would be good. And from a Hyde point of view, they may look to hope that Folkestone get promoted because there may be a few players that don't want to go up the next level with Folkestone and they can pick them up from there. There's always been a sort of a, a smattering of players going between the two clubs. So, yeah, Folkestone are having a good season. There's a bit of rivalry between the two. Hyde... I think when we started the start of the season, didn't think they would be uh, near the top. So I think they're probably par performance, but the results haven't been good. Drawing too many games of late, they decided on a change. And cool, with a manager like Denley, though, he's been out there, knows his level, managed it a few years. Is you know maybe it's a decision they've gone through. They must have they must have thought about it for a while. I would have thought rather than a ad hoc thing, as he mentioned on the meeting on Monday. It'll be interesting to see Clive Cook going upstairs. How long he'll stay there? Because I know he's some days uh, leaving the club. Well, yeah, exactly, and it's you know it, it is good to see Sam Denny back in the game. I, I say I've I've known him for a few years through covering Herne Bay, and uh, really nice guy. And I often bump into him at Kent Cricket, where he's uh, watching his his brother Joe, who's going great guns out in Australia as well. We did have a bit of a chat about that afterwards, and, and maybe Joe might be even playing in the IPL this year, which would be which would be really good. I mean, a really big sporting family, the Denleys, especially in the Whitstable Herne Bay sort of area, and it, and it is nice to see them having success. I always see Joe, De uh, Joe Denley in uh, Starbucks in Canterbury. He's always in, well, maybe I'm always in there, or maybe he's in there. But yeah, he's doing really well out there. Yeah, good. Again, it's a bit like the Treadwell family we had a few weeks on. Uh, his dad was a good player. James Treadwell being a uh, uh, good cricketer. His dad was a good footballer and cricketer. Yeah, there's, there's a few Kentish sporting names out there. And the Denleys, I'm sure, will be uh, one that grows for, for years to come. Yes, and uh, oh, Clive Cook's last game in charge in charge of five was certainly an interesting one. Three 0 down at Ashford, they hit back to get a draw. Um, you know, Ashford having after their game on Wednesday, which we we've got to discuss, where they lost nine one, they did very well. Ashford to bounce back from that and lead three 0 but then they'll be disappointed that they couldn't hold on for three points. It was a crazy. You know, we mentioned about the crazy game in Ashford. We had uh, France saying a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, on the up. And Cray are a good side, but no side at this level, we'll talk later on, should be beaten by nine. So, great character coming back into it, but clearly, lack of character holding on to it. Maybe Ash, uh, Clive Cook ran the right hack at half time and, and three all. I couldn't believe Ashford were three now after they'd uh, uh, lost nine the previous night. But Gary uh, Alexander lifted his players, but they were disappointed from that point of view. Maybe they needed a bit of experience, uh, a little bit more Ashford, but that's a crazy 9 1 defeat on the, on the previous Wednesday. Cray then lose at the weekend. I'm one of these people who really think that you use all your goals up in one game. When they use nine, we'll be thinking oh, they're going to lose the next one because, you know, how many shots they had on target? If they had 15, they scored nine. It's a good ratio. And I always think you use all your goals up when you didn't score that many. Exactly. I mean, someone's got to be said about the Ashford fans as well. Apparently, they, they still kept going. They still kept singing and making some noise, even when they were 9-1 down at Cray. And as you just said there, you know, that win took Cray to the top of the table. But I'm pretty sure Tony Russell will wish that his side had saved at least two goals for Saturday. Top of the table crash against Lewis. They relinquished the top spot straight away. Two early goals for Lewis. The home side did get one back through Ben Mundaley. But they finished with nine men after two stoppage time red cards. And only their second defeat of the season. And both of them have been to Lewis. I can only begin to imagine Tony Russell's thoughts on that one. Yeah, terrible start to the game, wasn't it? When they're from there. But Lewis, who don't lose many games either, coming into the game. 
but it's yeah, disappointing. They've gone top, but they're only a point off. They've just got a game in hand. But I'll shorten catching them a little bit, and other sides around it. They've just got to make sure that that you know that one defeat doesn't knock their confidence too much going ahead of other games. But they're in a good position, and I'm sure if you'd offered that. 15 games to go, you'd be second place once at one point off the top, you'd have taken it. It's just a little bit frustrating, but it sounds maybe they are the two best teams in the division and hopefully they'll go forward and uh, get promoted at the end of it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting end to the season there. And I mean, elsewhere on Saturday, Faversham beat Phoenix 3-2 thanks to a last-minute goal from Liam King. Herne Bay were 2-1 winners at Horsham. Thamesmead lost 4-2 at home to VCD. Sorry, Thamesmead lost 4-2 at home to someone, and I've not written that on my script, so I can't remember. They lost it, but Thames, we lost four two at home. Hastings. Uh, to Hastings. Thank you, Matt. And please, one of us has done our preparation correctly. Uh, VCD were three one winners over Sittingbourne, and Ramsgate went down one 0 at Walton Casuals. Um, pretty full program this weekend. VCD go to Chipstead, Faversham at Corinthian Casuals. Those Ashford fans have got the nice trip to Guernsey, which I'd imagine will be for the first time for them. Um, Herne Bay take on Cray. That'll be a big game. As we've already heard, Sam Denley's first game in charge of Hyde is at home to South Park. Phoenix are at home to Carl Shorten. It's Ramsgate against Thamesmead and Sittingbourne host Horsham. And on Tuesday night, there's just one game for our teams to worry about when Thamesmead go to Shoreham. And Cray, you know, Herne Bay are, are an up and down side. Cray will want to go there and they'll want to put Saturday's loss behind them, won't they? They're not used to coming back from defeats. So this is a chance for them to do that. I think that's a good game for them there. Herne Bay, very up and down. They can, you know, look brilliant one week and then get absolutely stuffed the next. So, again, the pitch not the greatest down at Herne Bay. It'll be interesting to see with it. He's so used to the 3G playing a slick passing game. It might be interesting, but maybe it's just time to dig deep now, pick up a result by hook or by crook down there at Home Bay to get back on the, uh, get over the disappointment of the Craig, of the uh, Lewis game. Yeah, I, I mean, Hyde against South Park, Sam Denley said he knows what he's going to get from South Park. They're a, they're a solid side, but it's a good chance for Sam Denley to get a result in his first game. Yeah, I think we'd be pleased with the home game. Uh, the good thing about it is, as I said before, he knows this division, so he knows about the teams, what they need to do, how he can get organised to get results. I, I, I don't think there's been anything too wrong at Hyde. It's just maybe a little bit stagnant in this division. I think it'll refresh the squad. Players will leave as they will be doing this thing. and He'll go from there. And maybe if he gets two, three wins on the bounce, um, they can look towards the playoffs. So I think maybe it's regrouping for next season. But yeah, home tie is all you can ask for from that. You mentioned in the interview there, a couple of cracking games coming up against uh, Bay, which I'm sure he'll look forward to. Definitely. In the Bossett Premier League, Jordan Chidozzi continued his fine form with four goals, two in each game, as Margate beat both Tooting and Mitchum and Thurrock and moves up to fourth in the table. And they had that run of home games. They've done pretty well, haven't they, Matt? Fair play. Four wins out of five in those four, you know, four wins, one draw in those five games. I think that's a really good turnaround for Margate. Uh, game the conditions at the moment aren't particularly good. I know about 3G, but the wind's blowing. Um, and it's a horrible, it's horrible down there anyway, isn't it? Hearts down far. Yeah, so so it's not the greatest, but really, really good. Josie's on fire at the moment. Of course, he went into the league with Cambridge, didn't really work out for him. Had trials at other clubs as well. He's been a trial at Dover a couple of times, but he's scoring goals now. So Steve Watts clearly getting something out of him. If, of course, maybe clubs may be looking at him. Um, of course, his dad was John Tadose, if you remember him from the Spurs days. So maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's banging the goals in. I know some of the Margate fans are not particularly happy with his work rate, but if you put the ball in the back of the net, you're doing your job. So up to fourth now, Margate. Just one uh, place behind Folkestone uh, as well. So looking good, maybe for the playoffs for uh, a couple of our Kent sides. But Tunbridge Angels had a text from a fan of them today saying it was their worst performance of the season at, at Met Police. And for some of the part of me thinks that Tunbridge Angels is one of those seasons you just, you can, you're going to forget about 2017, 2018. It's just been an up, real up and down season. 
It has been. It has been a real struggle. I've seen they brought in someone earlier on, Ryan Woolard, I think it is, from uh, from Eastbourne Borough. And, and, you know, they're going to try and push on as they make a last push for the playoffs. But, you know, there is still time for him to get in. And, and I suppose if they got in from here, they'd go into the playoffs on an absolute brilliant run of form. But it has been a really frustrating campaign for Tunbridge Angels. And like you say, probably one they want to forget ultimately come the end of it. Yeah, I, you know, I saw them against Margate for the second game of the season. I thought they looked organised, looked solid, got some good players there, but it just hasn't really kicked on. Um, had a, Steve McKinnon, he's a, you know, he's a good manager at that level. I'm sure he's more frustrated that maybe they're struggling to attract players. Again, you look at some of the, you know, the money's in that league. Maybe Tumbridge haven't got enough player, enough money to compete in that league. There's a lot of money in it, and other clubs have probably seen the Bill and Ricky effect is what we spend a bit of money on players that Tunbridge would have got before and gone elsewhere. So, yeah, just just a disappointing season. I met police are up there, so it's, it's no you know, shame losing to them, but it's just, yeah, it's a real busy season. So, uh, again, maybe they'll be looking to regroup from there, look at the players who are not going to be next season and start planning for next, for the, for next season already. Yeah, Folkestone's going first off on Saturday was called off, as was Angel's trip to Leaston. Um because of the weather, which was pretty horrendous. And it's pretty horrendous now, to be honest. Um, this weekend, Margate go to Harrow, Folkestone travel to Hendon, and Tunbridge Angels are at home to Burgess Hill before Gates' punishing schedule continues with a Monday night trip to Kingstonian. Absolute non-stop for Margate. I think they're down to 17, 18 fit players. Uh, they've obviously lost the goalkeeper sergeant's gone back to Leighton Orient. I don't know how they've got through this run of fixtures, but absolutely fair play to every single one of those Margate players who's out there giving their all for that club at the moment. Yeah, I think you know, you know Margate with the problems of the last couple of seasons. The players always, even under the Nicky Ball thing, they gave all their for the shirt. Steve Watts done a, a really good job. It's probably a good season for him, really, as a manager to grow what they've got. You know, the games coming off, going out of the cup, a little bit disappointment. But these five games has maybe just sort of solidified the squad a little bit. Um, games Saturday, I think if you look at the pitch, they had the pitch is pretty dreadful any more rain there I'd be impressed if that game's on because Kingstonian playing there so and of course yeah I, I think uh, that'd be difficult for, for Margate from there but they're in fourth spot again we all think that uh, Billy Rick are going to win the league Dunnage are having a bit of a wobble at the moment just Margate's got to keep on winning keep on winning uh, keep that uh, good form up at the moment and I think these five games if they do get in the playoffs Steve Watt will look at these five games and all at home that's for the turning point of the season for them Interesting you say about Billericay, they've got seven games in hand on Margate. And, and although, yeah, they've got a lot of players that we know. I think they've got a fairly sizable squad, but they're going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday most weeks. They're going to have some Thursday games in there as well, I'd imagine, by the end of it. be interesting to see if, if they can cope better than other teams that we've seen before have, have coped in that sort of situation. Yeah, it's 22 games. Of course, I mean, we're playing this. There's 46, so they haven't been at halfway mark yet. So they're still in the cup competition, still in the trophy as well. They're probably in numerous Essex County Cups as well. So, But they've got the big squad, and if it needs it, they'll probably spend a little bit more on their players. But they want to get out of their division. Not, and they're having a good season, really. If you, if you look at it, cup runs and etc. like that, you can't grumble with them. And unbeaten in 21 league games because they lost the first first one. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Ricky fan, you're enjoying it. But Pitches will be heavy, and I'm sure that they will enjoy playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, coming April when that pitch is a little bit harder. Well, exactly. Um, so, irony's calling then, because last week we had a bit of a chat about why we don't tend to cover the Southern Counties East League Division 1, and then the standout result of the season happens at the weekend. It finished Crockenhill 1, Holmesdale 12. Whatever's going on at Crockenhill, scoring 12 in senior football is not something that happens every day. 
So I thought it was only fair to speak to Homestale's joint manager, Lee Roots. It's not every week that you score 12, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a unique scoreline at any level, I think. Yeah, not, not every week, for sure. I suppose, obviously, we know Crock and Hill are at the bottom of the table and they've obviously got their own problems, but you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you? Obviously, a record win for Homestale. I guess you must have probably worked that out long before the end, did you? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know exactly what the record is. Ken said it was the first time the team had scored more than 10 this season in, in the league, um, which shouldn't even be happening anyway. But I think it's Homestale's biggest win since they've come to step six. Um, so, yeah, it's, not, you know, it's, it's a nice little stigma that goes with it, um, especially with my ties and me and Bex, um, who's the other joint manager, our ties to the club. But to be honest you, know, we're not too fussed about that. There's a big goal that we've got to set ourselves at the club. And that was a nice day. And obviously, you know, set a few records on it, which is, which is nice. And you say there's a big goal. What is the big goal? Well, I mean, I mean that in regards to there's been quite a lot of change at the club. There's been a new chairman that's come in that was the existing chairman when the club originally got to this level, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, you know, the committee members have been here for a long time and, and the club kind of got fallen away a little bit um, and we want to take it up as far as we can. Basically, if we can get ourselves in a position to, to progress up in the leagues, then we'll make sure that the club um, is taking the right directions off the field. Um so we can support that. So it's a trying to really push the club as hard as we can. Yeah. Um, and obviously this season, you're seventh in the table at the minute. It's quite a long way to the top. I guess you just want to finish as well as you can, don't you? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we only took over uh, end of November, middle of November. Um, we were 14th in the league. So, you know, we look at it as a plus. Um We've won a lot more games than we've lost, um, which was the other way around before. We set ourselves a target within the top three, top four, um, and we know that's achievable. Um, there's a lot of games to play, there's a lot of points to play for. We've got to play a couple of the top sides twice, which, um, you know, you come through them games, you put yourself in a strong position. So, yeah, totally, we're out of the cups. And um, our end goal is to, is to keep finishing strong from here, we're trying to set the lads an unbeaten run. Um, from the new year, which we started quite well, obviously, going on from Saturday's result. Some tough games to come, but we think it's achievable. And, and if we do that, we'll be there and there and there the end of the season. Well, what's the standard like in, in the Scaffold First Division? Do you know what? It, it's it's OK. The, the problem is, is there is a bit of a gulf. And obviously, you've seen that from our result with Crock and Hill, from the bottom to the top. I mean, even in facilities-wise, let alone talent on the pitch. Um, but it's good, you know. We, we've played Glebe in the league above in the Cup and beaten them this year. Um, I would say any of the teams from sort of 7th, 8th above 
probably wouldn't be too far similar from the teams that are in the bottom six of the Prem. So there is a little slight problem where there is kind of too many leagues within the league towards the bottom and at the top. But the standard's okay. Um, you know, we're quite lucky at our club. The lads are very professional. Um, we run it in the right way. And there's some clubs who don't. But on the majority, on the whole, the grounds are good. Pitches are okay. And everyone's trying to go in the right direction, which is what you need, really. Looking at your scorers from Saturday, seven of them, but a name that a lot of people in Kent football know, Andy Constable got a hat-trick, and you must be glad to have him on board. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Andy's invaluable. Um, like you say, everyone knows AC. Um, he's a bit of a legend around these ways, like you say. And yeah, he scored a hat-trick. I mean, he's come in and he's been fantastic. I think he scored 15 and 14 now. Um, what he does is he, he, he drives a lot of the young players and, and, and really sort of helps them and, and, and Changes them in the game, and he demands a lot, and it's, it's improved our game. Funny enough, he should have scored uh, around about eight or nine goals on the day with the chances he had, and he actually didn't get the hat trick until the last four or five minutes, um, which was actually a great thing for him. But yeah, he's great to have on board. Um, obviously, he's committed to the club, to the project, which is this season and next season. And if you're going to go somewhere, you need players like Andy Constable in camp um, to really progress. And just finally, I'm, I'm always intrigued to know, how does it work with joint managers? Do you, do you have any, any rows or, or do you just make responsible decisions together? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it works for other people. Um, it works fine for me and Bex. Uh, Tony has, has worked in a joint capacity with other managers before on, on a few occasions. Um, this is my actual first um, time joint managing in all the years I've been managing. And yeah, I mean, listen, there'll be moments where um, there might be... Uh, a difference of opinion in, in selection. But we're quite lucky, me and Tone, you know, we seem to think and, and see the game quite similar. Um, and I think if, if there's an element of compromise, um, it's quite an easy thing to do. And it's quite nice to kind of have that, that weight load off one man's shoulders and kind of bared on, on two and two people's ideas and opinions. You kind of know you've covered all bases at the end of the game. Um, with two heads so yeah I enjoy it um, hopefully Tony does um, it is different from doing it solo but it has its benefits How well did you two know each other before you got this job? How, did, how well did I know Tony? Yeah So I used to play uh, for Homestyle many years ago and Bex was the manager then and he was joint managing with a, a guy called Ken Thurgood who was again another legend around these ways in, in, in management and he brought me over to the club Tony used to play football against my dad many years ago. So our history is the club. Um, and and, and from, from playing you know, around Tony for two or three years, um, and obviously just, just, just knowing of, of Bex. So, yeah, it's, there was quite a, a history there. We haven't seen each other for a few years. But Tony wanted to get back into football. Um, he, he basically took Homestead where they are now. And when... Ian, the previous manager, left to go Rochester. Um, you know, I couldn't do it on my own and Bex could do it on his own and we both wanted to do it together. 12-1, Matt. What a win that is. But I, th- I thought Lee spoke really well there. You know, he certainly had sympathy for their opponents. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting one because you don't want to see clubs struggling, but they can only beat what's in front of them, as I said to Lee. I think he came out of that really well because he could have really said, you know, Crocodile, yeah, it was easy. We just destroyed him. I think he was really nice. Then Crocodile clearly got problems. I remember travelling back at the weekend and I looked at the scaffold results. And I said, well, 
Crocodile won Hamsdale 12. And Crocodile used to be a decent Ken Lee club. Of course, Tony Cascarino came from there. They've clearly got real problems from that point of view. Hopefully they can get out of it because they probably should be playing in the, in the Scaffold Premier Division, not the uh, uh, bottom of the, of the first division. Nine points conceded, as he mentioned there, 109 goals conceded in 24 games. So absolutely uh, crazy from that point of view. But I don't know what's going on there. But fair play to Homestead as well. That, you know, they did a job there. I mentioned Andy Cunstable in the interview. I'm sure he was linked to, to Dover under Clive Walker a few years ago. He's a decent player, real uh, goal scorer, good in the air, causes defensive problems and scored a hat-trick. And I, if Homestead are going to have success, and I'm sure he's expected to rub off on some of these players, but 12-1, what a result that is. I don't care. Yeah, crazy, crazy result. And what I thought was really interesting there was that, you know, Lee mentioned that both he and Tony Beckingham, Tony Beckingham's had a few jobs in the in what is now the Bostick South as well, but they're both very committed to that club in particular and that project. And I would say, you know, looking at the league table, it's probably a bridge too far for them to be promoted this year because of the teams at the top being so far in front. But I would imagine that come this time next year, Homestale will be very, very near the top of that division. Yeah, I think uh, he talks. Uh, I love. It's great to hear from these sort of managers in the, in the lower league. They've got so much passion and they give so much time for that. And they can, they're working to the future, Harmsdale, from that point of view. And one part of me thinks fair play to them as well, because it's easy when you have six one up at half time, put off the gas, but they kept on going, kept on going, to the detriment of Crocodile, of course. But yeah, clearly getting into the players, what you need to do to, to progress. So uh, yeah, I love to be hearing from the, the lower league managers because. They're as passionate as anybody in the game and they're giving something back and it's done wonders for their goal difference because they've gone to goal difference 19 from uh, from uh, 7 from there, from there. But great result for them. You can't grumble. Yeah, there was another interesting thing going on in the uh, in the Scaffold Division one on Saturday as well, which I did retweet from the uh, from the account. Um, the game at Fisher, um, apparently the referee tried to send off two spectators who were annoying him behind the goal. Um, I've never heard anything like that, and, and some of the reports I read were that they just kept on playing without a ref for a bit. Bless you, Matt. And um, they they said they kept on playing without a ref, and no one really noticed. It sounds like absolute madness. And you know, as you said last week, if there are really good stories in the Scaffold. One, we will look at them and, and trying to send off supporters. That's that's one of them, isn't it? Well, I, I, I think mascots have been sent off before, haven't they? But I think they're, they're on, they are technically allowed on the pitch to, to give it large, so to speak. Yeah, it's strange. But they carried on with that. Ref. Yeah. Probably hasn't done that referee's career. If he's, I don't know if he's a young lad and he was getting too much abuse and, from that point of view. But it, 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 when I saw your tweet, I did have a chuckle to myself. What went on there? Trying to send off uh, a couple of. Um, that's fans. I don't think I've ever come across that before. No, the uh, the Scaffold Prem was literally a washout on Saturday, including the game I was going to go to at Rochester. Um, I seriously considered going to Sheffield United against Tunbridge Wells instead, but I have to have my hands up and admit that I decided it was far too wet and cold. I remember walking through the uh, industrial or the, the shopping park in Sittingbourne and just saying to the other half, there's no chance I'm going. Why do I want to go and stand in this weather when I don't have to? Uh, I was punished, though, by having to hang up a mirror and do the hoovering. And I'm no handyman or house husband slash boyfriend. So uh, that was fun. Perhaps I should have gone to Sheffield because they won that game 3-0. As they and Cray Valley, who beat Chatham on penalties, put their spots in the Kent Senior Trophy semi-finals. Uh, the other two games there were called off and they've been rearranged for Wednesday night. So by the time you listen to this, you'll probably know who's gone through. Although looking at the weather outside at the moment, they may be called off again. Um, a full programme of scaffold fiction on Saturday, but we, we touched on it last week, this Kent Senior Trophy. Um, Sheppey United, Cray Valley, brilliant for both of those two clubs to be in the semi-final. 
yeah, Chatham will be really disappointed going out of that competition, I'm sure. Uh, Craig Valley, brilliant, brilliant result from there. We said maybe it would be good for Chatham to give their supporters a, a bit of a cheer from that, but a disappointing result. But Craig Valley, well, I suppose Craig Valley had of Chatham in the league, but I thought Chatham would really go for that competition. Yet, I can't believe those games will be on where I am. It's absolutely chucking it down with rain, so that may be a competition that has to... I don't know if the games then get rearranged from a Saturday or back into a midweek, but I'll be impressed if there's games on today. Yes, and uh, you can check out the Scaffold fixtures this weekend on the Scaffold website, as always. Uh, yet again, we seem to have left the National League to, to last, but it was a good Saturday for three of our four teams. Bromley were 4-0 winners down at Torquay, and Epsley earned a good point at Aldershot. Um, Dover, though, who, according to my co-host, never beat Boreham Wood, went to Boreham Wood and um, beat them. Matt can explain himself on that one in a minute, but before that, he did speak to de- defender Giancarlo Galifuco. Thankfully, I'm the only person who sees these scripts because I have definitely spelt that name wrong. Anyway, here he is. I think everyone seems to realise that it's a big three points for you today. Yeah, massive. Uh, massive performance. I'm so proud of everyone. Uh, we dug in. <coughs> they uh, Towards the end, they started throwing everything they had at us. It felt like there was a sea of them up front, but uh, we all gave 100%. Everybody in the change room is knackered, but... It's those kind of performances where you get into the change room, you're dead, but you're so happy that everyone banned together and we never gave up, and that's an important three points. You can see by the celebrations in the final whistle, the players came together. They realised you know, results, we've only lost once, as the manager says, in the last few weeks, but results haven't been good with too many draws. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we want so much from ourselves, and uh, a draw feels like a loss most of the time. But uh, we have been down a bit about it, that we haven't been able to take those one points to three points. But, yeah, as you can see, it meant a lot to us to get back onto winning ways. And, yeah, hopefully onwards and upwards for me. A couple of defenders scoring as well. That must be pleasing for you, fellow defender. Yeah, I'm so happy for Manny, especially on his birthday. Uh, but now he's running away from me. I think he's got five goals. I've got three, so I've got to catch up already. And it'll send me again. Cool finish against his old club, and I think that meant a lot to him as well. Yeah, he's been fantastic as well. Everyone's signed the gel together. I'm so happy for him as well. It's a fantastic finish. Again, back to the wall stuff. When it's 3 2, you know, you had five minutes. To, when you see the board go up for five minutes, what does you feel as a player at that point of view? Because they were throwing everything at the kitchen sink. Yeah, it feels like 50. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was definitely difficult towards the end, but I, I, I knew we'd hold out. Yeah, what did you think, you know? It's all about the organisation at the back at that time because it really, as Jason said in the commentary, it's, it's not like kids football. Everybody's just chasing the ball at that point. Yeah, I think I think they have nothing to lose, so it becomes sporadic and they're everywhere, and it's really difficult to defend because they they have nothing to lose. Their structures, they've got no structure. But uh, like you said, it those are the moments where it's the brain that takes over rather than the body. You've got to keep communicating, keep structured, make sure we know where everyone's going, and we manage to hold out. So sort of adrenaline keep you going those final minutes? Yeah, I'm definitely going to feel it tomorrow morning. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Back in the playoffs now, sixth place again. Again, it's still very tight up there. Every the confidence come back in the camp a bit now? You think you can stay in those playoffs? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's uh, seventh place, seventh place to second yep. place, yeah. And I think, like, this whole time we've been in there, but we've been, like I said before, having a lot of one points that should have been three points but this was definitely definitely a big confidence boost I was screaming the change room down so yeah now everybody's up in good spirits and from your own personal point of view you've been at Dover for a while very popular with the supporters are you enjoying it? I'm loving it so far yeah uh, long may continue and long may we stay together uh, you said your family was over over Christmas as well and there's a long way for them to come and they, they didn't see you win did they in those games? oh no they did they did 
first first two games, they uh, scored uh, seven goals, zero conceded. <laughs> I, I, was, I was telling them they were going to have to live here. But uh, no, it was, it's fantastic. It's been a long time since my parents had watched me play because I, I left home when I was 15. So no, it's really, really good to have them here. They love it here. They love the atmosphere here. And even the way that the fans treat me is fantastic for my family to see. So that was nice as well. You know, it's pretty cold out here. Do you miss the uh, Australia with the weather like this? Yeah, definitely when I go on Facebook and everyone's tanned and in 40 degree heat. Yeah, that definitely, uh, and I'm freezing in my bed, but uh, <coughs> there's no football like here, so this is where I want to be. He sounds like a, a, a nice fella. Um, I mean, Australia to Dover isn't a, a well-trodden path, but he seems to be enjoying himself at Dover, Matt. Yeah, I think uh, he's one of these players with Swansea and Spurs, so and he drifted into Torquay. Uh, I think he's quite upset that Torquay are going to get relegated as well. I think he had a good time there. He came in, yeah, uh, been good for Dover. He's sort of a, not really too much ball playing out of David but he's got a good pass and him very very focused on where he wants to go and I think where he wants to go is into the league and there's a good team spirit at David so and that was a big win for them from that point of view and, he, and he's very popular with the supporters uh, very happy-go-lucky sort of chap uh, as I said in his interview there he left home at 15 to become a footballer and when you do that from the other side of the world coming over here I think you need to be a, a real character and I hope it works out for them I don't want David to sell their players but that point of view, I think he could, he's got a chance of going into the league if he progresses as, as he is, because uh, he's a solid defender at that level, and uh, he's been a, a real asset to David this season. Is, is he good enough? Because I, th- I think one of the things is, is with players in th- this level of football, it's a lot harder for defenders to catch the eye than it is your strikers. We've seen it with Ricky Miller, we've seen it with Stefan Payne. They've not necessarily the best players at Dover, but because they've scored a lot of goals, they've made the headlines, they've got the move up. But there are unsung heroes, and, and by the sounds of it, Galifico is one of them. Well, you've had Raggett going into the league and Jamie Grimes going into the league from Dover's defensively. Chris Benier does, you know, a former defender himself, knows how to organise defences. To be honest, I think Galifico is probably a better player than Grimes, and Grimes is at Cheltenham now. Uh, Grimes is a good organiser, but he was prone to a mistake. Galifico's more of a threat in the final third. Um, yeah, I, I think he's got a chance. 24 years old, so he's at a good age. Uh, he looks after him off the pitch. He's always down the gym, getting the thing. Maybe full-time football would be really good for him as well to, to work on that again. But yeah, I can't see no no reason. And they've got, I've had a sort of a conveyor belt of players going into the league. And Galafuco and Parry again. Parry scoring again. He's playing really well at the moment. I'm sure there'll be clubs looking at them, thinking that you know they've had the right upbringing in the in the lower leagues. Parry's really impressed me this season. Um, he's really spell at Margate which didn't work out Braintree as well they're working their way through the leagues and maybe that extra experience that they've gained from those leagues will attract league clubs particularly uh, in leagues one or two and, and what about the game itself it, it, it was very funny because I was, I was uh, watching uh, Soccer Saturday on, on Sky on Saturday and um, they missed up they messed up with the goals somehow and when Ilisami scored what actually proved to be the winner it came up that it was 2-2 um, and then just before the final whistle, it came up that Cadell Daniel had scored in the 72nd minute and Dover were 3-2 up. And so if, as far as I was concerned, I was like, oh, good point for Dover. But it probably wasn't as um, seesaw as I imagine it from from what I was watching on the telly. Yeah, Dover probably had four shots on goal and scored three. So um, they were back to the walls, particularly in the in the first half. Missed a good chance, Broadwood. Um, Dover looked you know, in control. They got a goal from Parry. We sort of shinned it in the corner. Then... Bournemouth threw a bit of caution to the wind again, uh, got, got a good goal from the defender volleying it in. Then Dover straight up the other end, 
got the goal. But the third one with Ilisami score was the crucial one, really. A lovely finish from Ilisami. Daniel did well with the cross. And then Bournemouth got another one back. And then it was the Alamo for the last five minutes or so. It, it was like kids' football, as somebody said. But basically, Bournemouth just pumping it in the box. And you've got 20 players just going for the ball, searching for it. David managed to hold on. And that was a big win for that, as we mentioned. Bournemouth would have won they'd have been five points clear of Dover um, but Dover have gone ahead of Bournemouth now Bournemouth will be out there they've got some good players particularly in, in the midfield and on the flank so winning at Bournemouth was a good result because Bournemouth will win more matches than they lose so um, David didn't play particularly well but they ground out the result which has been pleasing because in December and early part of January they haven't really been grinding it out so uh, that's something to build on I, I got confused there a bit like Sky Sports did, to be honest, because what what obviously happened was that the Daniel goal had been missing. So when Illa Sammy scored it, it came up that Dover were 2-1 up. When Bournemouth got what obviously was their sort of consolation goal that made it 3-2, it actually came up that it was 2-2, if, if that makes any sense. So I was completely oblivious until right at the end that Dover had actually won. And then I was going on Twitter and I was like, oh, yeah, they have actually won that game. So it's a big win for them. Um, you know, that they... Obviously, they've had a, a bit of a tricky period and they will hope that that's over for them now. But talking of teams in tricky periods, well, Maidstone, good news off the pitch for them this week. A fifth year in a row where they've turned a profit. But on the pitch, home defeat to EC was followed by a loss at AFC Fylde, who leapfrogged Dover in the process. And, and Jay Saunders said the Stones need to get to 50 points. Um, but it has been a tricky old time for them, hasn't it? Yeah, difficult game. They conceded poor goals as well. It's all the ones against... Uh... Eastleigh, Wogan, who had, it was, yeah, when I saw him against Dover at Christmas, in and out, could make a good save and then looked a little bit suspect as well. But looking at that Maystone side, playing against Fylde last night, to me, that looks sort of weak side for the National League. Um, not much experience. You've got Lewis in there, Wogan, Lewis has got league experience. Nobody else has really got experience from, from a from higher level. So it does look like they need some. Uh, uh, Fresh blood coming in there, lost Piggott, uh, players like that. But that looks a lower end of the table, National League side there. So Jay Saunders has got to work on from that. A lot of players he's had out on loan and they were playing uh, uh, yesterday as well on Tuesday. So, yeah, it looks it looks a weak squad. And from, from my point of view, I can't see, really see where their goals are coming from as well. So they've had some real highs, Maidstone, uh, the last few years. Um, and of course, this time last year, when they struggled in the first half of the season, it all went good. But maybe this time it's looking the other way around. But yeah, it looks a it looks a, a weak squad, a lot weaker than it was at the start of the season, and that must be a concern to them. And obviously, as you I mean, talk about them very quickly. Good win for them on Tuesday. On Saturday, they spanked Macclesfield six 0 and they are flying at the moment. Filed, and I, I know you saw them a few weeks ago when they won at Crabble. And you know, we've we've said before about how we need a team to really hit the ground and, and have a pull a good run of results together and if they can do that far there, there could be no stopping them could there? I was impressed with them very organised I know David gave them the goal but they looked a good side to be very organised um, goalie was very good uh, he's coming from Salford so and they've got a bit of money behind them they can attract players Muldoon was a key part of Lincoln get promoted last season Rowe's a great player up top um, so you look at the difference in the, the Maystow side they've got experience of uh, of players who've done well. Luis Montrose, who's a good player for the Jules, I thought, as well. So, they're in a good location, got a bit of money behind them, and the ascendancy's in there. So, they've gone ahead of Dover now, and must be on goal scored as well, because they're both the same amount of goal difference in there. But yeah, Dover have got to go to file, and I think uh, absolutely got to play, I think absolutely have finished with them now. So, but yeah, tough, tough place to go, and I think file could be the side to watch out for. 
And just quickly, the other two, Matt. Uh, good win for Bromley and a really good point for uh, for all the, uh, for Ebbs Fleet at Aldershot, that one. Yeah, interesting what Dale McMahon said there. You, you can't lift yourself for the big games. You know, he was disappointed to go out of the trophy. Aldershot seemed to be that uh, Ebbs should have got three points against... Uh, um, Ebbs should have got three points against Aldershot. So, yeah, for that, Bromley working the game. That, I thought that was a, a great result against Torquay. Torquay look a little bit doomed from that point of view, but Bromley keep on winning and it's very, very tight in those playoff positions now. So all Bromley can do is just keep on winning from that point of view. Neil Smith doing a fantastic job. I still think maybe this league isn't going to start stretching out, but I still can't see it at the moment. Of course, Macclesfield losing 6 0 has brought other teams back into play. So uh, uh, again, and again with Sutton sort of still, still saying that they could... Uh, they're going to get promoted. They want to get promoted, but the 3G effect is still going to look very, very strange in this National League until it really... I think it could go right to the wire, I think, the playoffs at the end of the season. It really could. This weekend, Stones make the long trip up to Gateshead, which is a rehearsal for the FH uh, Trophy tie at the Gallagher. Bromley are home to FC Halifax Town. Dover take on Guiseley and Ebbsfleet are also at home to Boreham Wood. Um, just finally, Dartford are three points clear at the top of National League South after their 2-2 draw with Chippenham, while Welling made it back-to-back wins by winning 3-2 at Pool Town. Both those teams are at home this weekend. Welling against promotion hopefuls Braintree and Darfield against bottom of the table Whitehawk, who've won three of their last four after not winning at all until New Year's Day. In fact, they've got 10 of their 14 points this season in the last four matches. Um, so not as easy as it might have been six weeks ago, that game, Matt. The Steve King effect with his winkle picker shoes. Um, yeah, they've brought in players in. They've always, Steve King goes to clubs and he's got a bit of financial backing himself so he brings players if they get out of that that is a great achievement so uh, he backs himself as a confident manager yeah high in confidence uh, it's a potential banana skin but as we said before if Dartford want to get promoted they've got to go they've got to beat them we've got to go there and, and put and brush them aside exactly and, and Welling against Braintree you know, good that Welling have, have found a bit of form back to back wins Tough game for them against Braintree this weekend, but that that league is starting to open up just a little tiny bit, I think. And and Welling will still look, be looking at that league table with teams above them not playing so well and thinking, you know, we've still got half a chance here. Yeah, I think Braintree, one of the sides, will be up and around that sort of position. It's just getting. We saw Welling; they did sort of well in, uh, excuse the pun, sort of October time when they were winning matches, particularly away from home. Now they've got to make sure. They get back-to-back home wins. Follow up the good performance away from home by by beating Braintree, which will be a tough task from that. 38 points, only four points outside the playoffs from that. There's still a lot of games to, to play in that division as well. You think that the National League's played about 31 games, haven't they? There's still quite a few to play in that division. I know they've got two less uh, uh, teams in it. But yeah, there's no reason why Welling can't, again, get towards the playoffs. But it's in Dartford's hands at the moment, I think. You know, it's got to keep going there and, They've got to be white talk at the end of the day. Yeah, they have. And breathe. That's about it for this week. While I was writing the script for this week's show, I did happen across an advert for Celebs Go Dating, Matt, that you were talking about last week. And I think I'm right. I'm not going to be watching. Um, but clearly, Michael Thalassitis is indeed a man looking for love and probably a bit of fame too. And if that makes him happy, then then fair play to him, Matt. That's what I say. Well, I did some digging on this. Uh, apparently, well, first of all, John Barnes apparently still in the Big Brother house. I didn't see him. On no, he went. Board, he, he got evicted on uh, Sunday. Ah, uh, so there you go. He was really well. So he wouldn't have been available for for Saturday. So, no. Uh, but uh, this celebrity go dating is coming up soon, and Michael Tallisite is, is. You'll be able to, might be able to explain this. You're down with the kids. He's, he's classed as a Love Island star and a social media influencer. What does that mean? 
he doesn't influence me in my social media, but does he influence other people by saying, yes, buy this chocolate bar or something? Is that, I don't really understand. I have got no idea. Um, I didn't even realise he was that important on social media. I, I just thought he was followed by a lot of people because he'd been on Love Island. So, uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, I really don't know what Somebody to... else as well. Somebody else did it. I don't know whether he gave Sam Thompson. She's made a Chelsea star and brother to Louise Thompson. I don't know who Louise Thompson is either. What they going to make me think? Oh yes, from that. But that's yeah. Matt, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna level with you now. I don't think this show is aimed at people like yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a forty forty year old visible man sort of thing. Well, exactly. There you go. Um, Dover, guys, see for you Saturday, is it? Yeah, it is. Yep. So uh, it's it's community day down there. So uh, if you're in the Dover area, you. And you've got um, kids there and get it for free, so you can get it for free. So hopefully, well, the weather's going to be like this weekend, probably not very good. If it carries like this, it'd be a pretty boggy at Crabble as well. But again, they've got to get three points. They've got to follow up the Bournemouth game as well. So, uh, yep, yeah, so hopefully, fingers crossed for that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it out this, this weekend, to be honest with you, because again, I'm a bit of a fair weather fan when it comes to these sorts of things. And uh, if it's cold and wet and I don't have to be there, then perhaps I shouldn't be there. Um, that is it for this week then. Uh, as always, get in touch with us on social media, on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, um, on Facebook at Kent Non-League. And thank you, thanks again to, to uh, Sam Denley and Lee Roots for, for talking to us this week. It's much appreciated. Both those calls were carried out in the evening as well when people don't really have to give up their time. So again, we do really appreciate it. And of course, we really appreciate you all listening to us. So thanks again and we'll speak to you all next week. Bye.